and then we'll go to Monica. Monica, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> so what's new Thank in you. your world? In my world? Well, my world is basically research. So <laughs> I saw <laughs> your every day. <laughs> I saw your excellent video with Judy and Dr. Aguirre just uploaded today to Latinos and Clinical Research. We do some of our videos are just Spanish only. And Monica did a great interview with Dr. Aguirre. I don't know if Dr. Aguirre is in the room today, but uh, excellent one. So you want to introduce yourself really quick, Monica, just really quick. Yeah, maybe Chris wants to introduce himself again now that it's No, Chris recording. can pass on that. Everybody here got to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the hit record. <laughs> I'm Chris. I'm a co-founder of LICR. On to you, Monica. <laughs> so my name is Monica Quitiva. I, am, uh, I feel a lot of passion for research in every single area that I have put my... Um, and you say my fingers on, I've been feeling very, uh, very fulfilled. It's been very fulfilling. And actually somebody said this morning uh, when we were in an interview, something that stick to me and, and, and actually agrees with my uh, thinking about research and is this industry is addictive. And, and, and I feel the same way uh, because uh, uh, you feel somehow that you're collaborating with things that are uh, later, I mean, for the rest, for the for the rest of the world. Um, uh, so thank you for yeah, the, that's basically me. <laughs> thank you for the shout out, actually, to the uh, curative biotechnology on my channel, Dan Sfera. We interviewed the CEO of Curative Biotechnology. That seemed like so long ago. I feel like it was yesterday. It was this morning. Yeah, we it did was this. this morning. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you're up early now. Um, so excellent. Thank you for that shout out, Monica. And then Ashley Margot, I don't know if you're available. But yeah, yeah, I'm good. There you go. You're always on time. <laughs> Apologies for not being on camera, you guys. Um, have some stuff going on in the background, but of course I wasn't going to miss out. Um, <laughs> so my name is Ashley Margot. I'm one of the co-founders. I'm also um, um, the founder of the AM Approach, um, where I assist people with their application documentation process for work and on LinkedIn and all sorts of things like that. Um, I am also one of the founders of the Clinical Research Circle. Uh, just like Monica said, it's, it's super fulfilling. The days, the hours are passing by so fast. It's really amazing. And um, I'm actually excited for this month. We have the tech series. It's uh, really interesting. Um, and I'm sure Dan is going to get into it, but this is going to be just more of a surface view on tech in general within research to kind of prep us for uh, what's coming throughout these next few weeks. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Ashley. Yes, so it is going to be a great month of tech. Uh, we're actually going to have three. So this is the first. We're going to have two more after this in the month of July at live meetings like this. It's on our calendar, latinosinclinicalresearch.com. So you can go check it out and you can get the Zoom link now. Or if you're already subscribed, you'll just get the email uh, usually a day before, sometimes the day of. I know in the next one of those next two ones, we're doing a giveaway. So, you know, you don't want to miss that. If you had to miss one, maybe miss this one. Who knows? Maybe this one's going to be the best. <laughs> maybe this will be the best. I don't know. But and you got, yeah, maybe and you, last minute. Uh, hold on. Let me mute all. And then you guys unmute. Okay, hold on. Mute all. Uh because you know, I don't think we're gonna get coconut song. Uh, oh, that'd be good. <laughs> oh well, you know, it gets boring. I wouldn't mind hearing it. But All right. you, you got a reprieve on the um, the giveaway because it was supposed to be done, I think, two weeks ago, and we just overlooked yeah. it. So right, yeah. right. Hold so on. Much let me to talk about. That let me do forget. a quick mute all panelist Monica, Ashley, Chris. Let me do a quick mute all. You guys unmute yourself, and then if you want to have a question, you can unmute yourself too. But if it's random background noise, we prefer not to hear it. Hold on, okay. All right, now uh, whoever wants to can unmute themselves, and yeah, so we're doing a overview of tech because tech tech is becoming ever more important. It's becoming ever more integrated in research. And there's a, also a lot of hype around tech, uh, but there's, there's definitely a lot of practical stuff there that I think 
people are going to have to get used to, uh, whether you're a coordinator of CRA, a site owner, there's just no way around it. You're going to have to get comfortable with tech. It's going to become part of our lives, not just in research, by the way, but if you want to remain relevant in research, there's definitely a lot that uh, you need to pay attention to. And during this month, we're going to try to bring you some vendors, some some that are maybe are household names in research, others that are not so much, but maybe, you know, the type of company they are, are going <clears> to <throat> be important. So most everybody knows tech, EDC vendors, that's been consolidated over the last decade or so. But what a lot of people don't remember is that EDC, electronic data capture, which you, which is now... I mean, standard in most studies other than some European countries and some pilot studies. Uh, this was considered like a radical innovation back in 2005 when I got started in research. The first study I ever worked on was paper. The second study I worked on was paper. And then immediately after, every single study from that, that point forward was EDC. And I remember monitors back then monitors that were getting ready to retire so they've been doing research for like 30 years they were getting ready to retire they said one of them said this is my last job as a cra because i am not going to learn edc i'm not going to learn this you know electronic data capture so <clears throat> there's always resistance to change and if you're about to retire it doesn't matter that's fine but if you are still planning to work in this industry for the next decade or beyond, you're gonna have to learn, right? You get a pass if you're gonna retire soon. Don't don't worry about any of this stuff. Um, but if you're not, you gotta have to learn a lot of this. I think the big ones coming up, and I know Monica has a lot of firsthand experience with this, running some sites, and she's always on the cutting edge of new technology. And Ashley working for a big CRO. Uh, the big ones are gonna be AI, eSource, eReg. And um, trial master file, like having electronic trial master file. We can get into a lot of other stuff with decentralized trials. and uh, But I think that just complicates things and makes this a little messier. And we're going to definitely hear from some of those vendors. But in this intro, we want to make sure that we're giving just a brief overview of what's coming without overwhelming. Because... The fundamentals of research are not going to change. So um, I guess I'm going to pass it over to Monica because Monica, in addition to these practical tools, Monica's got some even bigger things, even bigger tech to discuss from, from the innovation side when it comes to R&D and pharma. You want to talk a little bit about that and then we'll kind of go through all these things and answer questions or you know maybe just open it up to anybody by the way, put anything in the comments as well if you want, and uh, would love to hear from all of you. And thank you, Dan. And by the way, uh, this is also a great way to learn uh, new things because uh, obviously, if you have not been exposed, we're going to do it through the uh, Latinos in Clinical Research webinars. So, uh, so we were talking, we were discussing about the the new uh, technology in research, and the, I mean. We probably could, will not uh, finish today. We mentioned everything that now is uh, available. Like for example, we were re uh, we were seeing that now there are three D organs being uh, developed, so the research can advance faster. There is uh, um, um, the uh, intelligence, the um, what's the name AE. That is, that is now available also in research. And this is gonna be making the, the, the research um, also advance faster. So uh, what, what we think about all this is that it's gonna help uh, um, for the companies to bring even more research than we already have. So I think obviously research is gonna advance much faster and we're gonna get uh, results uh, faster and probably even more detail because of these technologies, um, and um, and uh, and obviously 
for the site and the site label is going to help also uh, to make things faster and make it easier so we can take over more studies at the same time. Like, for example, EREGS, uh, e-regulatory, which is, uh, uh, I mean, I can, I can, um, I can express in words how amazing this is for the sites and how easy makes the, 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 the work because basically the crew information, like the, the whole team information, you are, you are uploaded once and then it gets distributed to all the, the, the rest of the studies. Uh, so it makes things easier uh, when it comes to re uh, regulatory. And like I can always mention to the students at the CRC Academy, if, if you have interest in, uh, in becoming, I mean, or, or if you have a knack for research or for, I mean, for a, a regulatory or for paperwork, this, this is a whole career just doing, uh, just doing regulatory. So highly recommend you to take a look of all the uh, tools that are available out there. Uh, I believe we're gonna bring one of these one of these companies that are coming to uh, to show the demos do that, um, so you can have a, a good understanding about it. Um, that's, uh, that that could be something that can change things at the site level, and uh, and not to mention improve the results and the quality of the data. Hey, Monica, yes. uh, you said something a, a few moments ago. Um, you said the AE, I think you meant AI, artificial yeah, intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, AI. Yeah, a little uh -huh. clarification there just because research, AE, might confuse a few people, but yeah, I doubt sorry. it. <laughs> no, 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 no problem. I, I'm curious, um, how is artificial intelligence being implemented in research? Well, because, well, Dan, I think Dan is more expert on that topic. Well, I don't think anyone's truly an expert on this right now because it's all being developed. But we're actually going to feature one of the AI vendors on one of the on on one of the zooms. I don't know which one, but they're going to be on one of them. Um, AI is being used already in a lot of interesting ways. It's being used to design protocols. So there's several AI startups in research. Palantir is one of them, actually. Chris, you and I reviewed Palantir <laughs> stock. We own, <laughs> we own some Palantir stock after we reviewed that. That yeah. uh, you know, we did some due diligence on it. Um, they're entering life sciences, so they're what they do is they scour like all the previous studies. They tap into the NIH database, which is robust. I mean, they have like you know everything detailed in there. They they use the AI to formulate the trial design and in in a way the protocol. So like the first drafts of the protocol, they can at least get like the like the outline for what the protocol should be based on previous studies that the FDA approved, previous studies that the FDA did not approve. They can kind of learn through all that stuff quicker, right? It used to just be individuals having to do this. So that's one way that's already being implemented. Another way is in the area of patient recruitment. So there are, we know, Chris, another vendor that's right now working with big academic institutions who have huge databases of patients, specifically in oncology. They're, the problem with these academic medical centers, AMCs, is that not that they don't have enough patients, they don't have enough time or resources to go through all this data. So there's AI vendors that the sites can implement to automatically trigger to a great deal of complexity, actually, who is a potential qualifier for the study and who's not. So it saves the site a lot of time. However, you're still going to need, as much as technology can help certain ways things become more efficient, you still need that human capital, the human resource to get in there and actually get on the phone. You remember calling people on the phone? You pull it out. You punch numbers and you talk to someone on the other end. This is used to be great technology. Now it's considered archaic. Nobody wants to do it. Um, but somebody at the site level still needs to go through all these leads from the AI and reach out to these patients, right? Whether it's email, text, phone call, or whatever. So, and this is an interesting point, which probably deserves a podcast in and of itself. And we can talk about it a little bit on this on this Zoom, because it's an appropriate place to do it, 
there are already vendors, and Chris, you and I talked to one of them two weeks ago. Their vendor, they are hiring people to go work at the site level, uh, which is game changing if you think about it. Because now what you're doing, you're removing all the excuses from the site. So the first excuse from sites is we don't have time to go through our database. Boom. Yep, lack of lack of manpower. Yeah. Well, boom. AI fixes it. Now they say, okay, that's nice, but now we don't have manpower to contact all these people. Boom. We're the AI. We're the vendor, and we will put one of our own employees there to do this for you. So. The line is getting blurred between vendor and site. If you talk about some of the bigger vendors, like a, we won't mention by name, but there's really big one, a couple really big ones that I think will take over the industry. The line's going to get blurred between vendor, site, CRO, maybe even sponsor. All right, 23andMe, we just released an article on latinosinclinicalresearch.com. Did you know we have a written article section on there? 23andMe just went public last month under the ticker symbol ME. Already has a market cap of three and a half billion. Did you know that not only are they selling the tools to analyze genome sequencing and look for and and doing clinical trials, but they actually have IP investigational product in the pipeline that they're working on. So that's an example of a vendor becoming a sponsor and a site because they do clinical trials. They do observational trials and they do retrospective trials where they can go through their massive database and actually do a trial. But that's an example of a tech vendor that's become a sponsor and a site at the same time. And it's starting to happen. I don't think that's gonna be the norm, but that's gonna be a new sector of research that we didn't have before. And I don't think it's gonna take away from the existing high i don't think that's going anywhere but they're adding a whole new segment to clinical research because of tech and i think that's going to create a lot more jobs and a lot more opportunities for everyone in this space and i know monica you did some research prior to this webinar on some some other cool things like that yeah so i was reading also that ae um AI. <laughs> AI, AI, yeah. AEs yeah. are bad. Yeah. AI yeah, is very bad too. But um, in this case, I think I it's good. I keep saying AI. AI. So <laughs> it's like uh, uh, the industry is also looking to use AI to discover new ways in which elements and compounds can be effective in engineering new groundbreaking drugs. So it's going to also improve. Like, like I was saying before, it's going gonna, it's gonna to open more doors to, to do even more research. So that this industry is the, the, only, the only place it's going is to grow and grow and grow more. <laughs> then um, I was also reading about the 3D printed uh, organs. Uh, we, I, I believe we also have an article about it in the in the Latinos in clinical research. If I'm not wrong, uh, uh, yeah, we can confirm that. <laughs> our, our writer is actually on this call. Eileen yes, Schneider, the writer. Shout out to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I mentioned it because I wanted her to say something. <laughs> so uh, that. Uh, that's that's uh, one of the other amazing breakthroughs with the, the um, with the technology because we're gonna have. I mean, if this happens, it's gonna make transplants uh, even easier. And and I mean, a technology technology is bringing a lot of good things. Obviously, when it's done uh, pro uh, appropriately and ethically, right? Um, then um, also the, the biochemical products development. Um, so this is, um, so how, the, I mean, obviously this is how drugs are created, but I think in this, it, uh, if, if we go over all this information, it's gonna be a little bit more confusing. <laughs> so then I think we should be talking about uh, the technology that is gonna be a, a, um, put in place like, like in, in a short term, 
we yeah. Tasted, yeah. There's um so besides the ones we mentioned, those are like and by the way, for any of this stuff to work that we mentioned, ereg, etmf, uh, esource, which is huge, AI at the site level when it comes to patient recruitment, electronic patient reported outcomes, which we haven't discussed, but are going to be tremendously important because if you make it easier for patients to do their own diaries, um, you can collect more data theoretically. And you're putting a little bit more burden on the patients. But if you make that delivery system easier, you can argue that you can collect more data while making patient life a little bit easier. And then the whole thing the industry is fixated on, specifically from the sponsor level, and it relates to EPROs, electronic patient reported outcomes, is decentralized trial. And the idea that you give the patient control, the patient can choose whether they want to come into the office that visit or whether the in-person visit is optional and they can instead opt for a virtual visit. Um, they are working on these things. They are doing these things currently as we speak. That's only going to continue. But in order for any of this to work, the sites have to be on board. That nothing happens. I think this could be a quote for Chanel. I don't know if Chanel's on. She's a social media manager for us. Uh, nothing can happen without the sites okay, more or less. And sponsor, they, they can push their own things, but if there's enough pushback from the sites, they have to stop and rethink how they're going to do it. Uh, so I, I, I don't yep. know if I entirely agree with that. I mean, I do, but not entirely. So why I'm saying that is because if the sponsors pay the sites enough, they won't have a pushback for whatever it is they're pushing, right? Whatever the sponsors are pushing. And some sites may push back, but they'll just find replacements, right? Yes, but the the payment needs to be less like, than the cost of the technology or else sponsor won't Of do course, that. of course. But if you were to take EDC for a, a great example, as you brought that up initially, I'm sure there were some sites initially when EDC was, was being introduced that said, no, we're done. Oh, yeah, probably. And, and, like and other a lot sites, of them. A lot yeah, of and them. other sites said, hey, we're more than happy to learn this technology. Uh, you're paying us to do so. We'll, we'll take it on. Right, right. And that's where you got to remain relevant as a site or as somebody who works in the space. But... In order for like ePros, for example, like if, if you want to break down a study and try to digitize as much as you can, it's there's a lot of these things sound good on paper that don't actually pan out in reality. Oh, ePros e are, are a pain in the butt. But exactly. So, but but many sponsors require it. I, I you know, twenty five percent of studies now, if not more, I, that I see require ePros. But do you know how many sites? Uh, at, at least the ones that I monitor, because I'm a contract series. So when I monitor, there there's a trend now where if the ePro system is glitchy or the site rationalizes or can justify the patients don't do it because the system's not reliable, which we're all familiar with, they go back to paper diaries and the sponsor says, okay, hey, you know, we need the data one way or another. So we would like ePro but it's not perfected yet. So the, again, everything has to work at the site level mm -hmm. in order for this stuff to actually have a chance in sure. the market. Sure. Um, and so that's something that we got to keep in mind. And then on the higher level stuff, like CRISPR, we're seeing, first of all, gene, gene sequencing, long read sequencing, short read sequencing. Um, we're also seeing a lot of uh, on the omics side with the microbiome, um, all this stuff is going to be integrated into research. All this stuff is going to be part of research. And I think it's going to create more opportunities. And I think those higher level things are things that sites won't really have much of a say in. Uh, yeah. And, and then remember also that we were discussing, for example, the organization, the, the companies that are trying not right now to, uh, putting just one platform, EDC, uh, also the 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 um, source documents and all the data, so that way the the site doesn't have to do it many times, but just once. 
uh, when it's united, the IWRS, the EDC, the source documents in just one platform. Yeah, yeah have, I look having forward to that. one. Oh yeah, Ashley. You know, I don't see yes. your video, so I forget you're here. What What do you think about this? You work for a big CRO. What kind of tech? I mean, you're you're listening. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? So um, far, so I you know me. I like I love uh, AI and I love all thoughts like of innovation. Even even you know, I don't know. I just, I, I like what it entails, what it means for the future. Um, however, I do think that there is a difference between, you know, having an actual individual as opposed to an AI. So I, I feel like clinical research, there are some things that AI is going to be really great at, but I also feel that like, for instance, quality assurance and certain aspects of quality assurance when doing like file reviews and things like that, I, I feel like there's going to be ways of integrating AI to assist to kind of, I guess, make the sorting and things like that much quicker, much more efficient, kind of taking out the the more, um, how do you say, the more strenuous um, or time-consuming things, right? Um, I, I just think that it's going to really kind of pinch in the area of, of error, right? Making things way more efficient and then trickling down into the actual site. Now, I find it like it might be even more difficult um, when you come from like site-to-site -site level unless the sponsors are literally providing the technology for the site to make sure that they're integrating fully. Um, just because, I mean, you know, not all sites are equal, not all sites can actually afford the same type of technology. And obviously, you know, capitalism, right? So we have different companies here that are working towards this, this issue. And, and so you're gonna have all different types of situations. So, I mean, who knows? Uh, I mean, you know, me with cryptocurrency on blockchain, right? You can put different types of formats on one system and then have them integrate with each other. So uh, I do find that something like that would be pretty interesting, but I doubt that that'll happen in the next three or five years, at least within clinical research, right? Because it's, it's oh, a lot. Yeah. But. yeah, blockchain. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the FDA just in, it wasn't until 2016 that the FDA accepted electronic signature as equal to wet ink. So yeah. if we're talking about blockchain, I mean, it, it, this is a slow moving industry. Here's the good thing about, like oftentimes it's frustrating to be in such a slow moving industry, but it has many advantages. One of them is that you can predict the future because mm -hmm. you just look at other industries and what they're doing. And you just assume whatever technology is successful in other industries will be, will be implemented in research. And it's just a matter of finding the actual practical applications for it. But we all know the pain points. I mean, all of us who've been in this industry know the pain points sites, under enroll because they have uh, depleted resources and they run out of patients. Uh, coordinators are overworked. There's a CRA shortage. CRAs are overworked. And at the same time, more studies are being planned because of AI and different technology than ever before because of things like omics. We can actually do more studies, but we're doing more with the same amount of people. And uh, now, now we're trying to layer a technology into the mix. So adds another learning curve. And uh, you, you can see all, all the problems here. But yeah, I think blockchain's going to enter the space. Uh, there's a guy, Darshan Kulkarni, mm -hmm. who usually does live streams. Like, I don't know, he's like a monster. He does live stream almost every day on LinkedIn. And well, they He's always interviewing blockchain people. I mean, they're talking about Yeah, I was about to say, stuff. there's a lot of people already in this, in the, in the re in research industry that are making waves in blockchain. So I do see it coming. It's just, you know, again, like regulations and stuff. But uh, like you were saying, you know, it, it's, it, there's positives about things being slow, right? And so that's kind of where I always feel like my clientele, um, you know, really consider and look at, like you said, the pain aspects of the, it, the industry being slow, where are the needs what kind of, um, you know, how do I say it? Like, um, sorry, skill sets that are needed within that pain area, right? And especially like when you're in a CRO or sponsor, you hear people within CROs or sponsors uh, speak about the issues that they're experiencing, right? What can you do to, you know, kind of get ahead of that, right? So like kind of already prepping yourself into the direction of the future of your career. Uh, that's kind of how I look at things. I mean, I... I know that AI is going to be, it's already big, but I know that it's going to be major in the next few years. So I'm already 
tweaking, you know, my education towards that. It's not necessarily going to be super useful at the moment, um, or at least as much, um, how can I say, I, I won't be able to utilize it to my most benefit as much as I'd like at the moment, but I do know that in the next year or two years that it's going to be a whole other different ballgame at that point. So, absolutely, you know, so for those that are in the industry right now or that are prepping for the industry, don't, you know, sky's the limit. Cause I mean, we're, I mean, we're getting into a whole other era. Everybody can get virtual trial certified. I forgot the name of the vendor. Virtual. Virtual. Okay. They yeah. don't pay us. So I don't owe them to remember the name, but virtual for, for all the students in the CRA and CRC academies, you get the links to the training, but virtual. Um, so anybody can get virtual trial certified for free. Okay. Now we're barely at the stage where tech is starting to help just mine through patient database. This is a very simple task. Mine through a patient database and help design a protocol based on previous mm -hmm. studies. This is not... I mean, it's complicated for like a person to do because it's time consuming for a machine. It's relatively quick, but these are just scratching the top of the surface for the for the potential applications of these things. So by the time we get to can AI do source data verification, I think we have at least a half a decade before we get there, because what has to happen for AI to do SDV? All the sites have to be digitized on source. I don't know how many sites are on this, but this could be indicative of like, I guarantee you if there's like 20 sites, maybe two of them are using full e-source right now in 2021. All right. So to get to all 20, uh, I see maybe towards the end of this decade that that happens. All right. So, and then you got to train the AI to learn how to SDV. And again, if you're a CRA, I don't think your job's in jeopardy because SDV is the, th this is not why they hire CRAs to do SDV. They hire CRAs to do SDR, source data review. SDV is very simple. We tell every single one of our students, if you think they're gonna pay you a hundred grand a year to check whether 120 over 80 blood pressure matches on paper to EDC, like you're out of your mind. They don't need you for this, right? They need you to look through the source to see if it's protocol compliant, if it's GCP compliant. It's much higher level things. AI, I don't think in our lifetime, AI is going to be able to do SDR. Maybe in like my grandkids' lifetime, maybe even my kids. But in our lifetime, I don't think it's happening. I think we'll be, we'll see SDV given to AI at some point, but I still think we're about 10 years away from that. And that's a simple task. So all these people that are afraid of technology replacing them. I think that's misplaced fear because uh, it, it's going to replace maybe the mundane tasks, but that's not what you're being I paid for. I actually think that, um, you know, the new thing, um, I mean, I'm, and I'm going to go kind of more into the clinical aspect because I have way more experience in the clinical industry. I mean, very similar when you're on site, but um I know that when you're getting into the industry, all they really cared about at the, at the time was, you know, have you spoken to a patient before? Have you been in that scenario kind of a thing, your patient, uh, hands-on patient experience. Um, but as time passed, what was really important was just as much as that was, you know, did you have quality, do you have experience in quality assurance? Do you have experience in data entry? Do you have experience like data management, like dealing with data, you know? And so I, and I, see that actually much more common now like that's actually a really huge thing so there's a trend there and i think that that's going to be the new like basic qualification right like are you comfortable with looking at <clears throat> reports are you are you like reports of data are you okay with sorting through that um things like that you know but again because gearing towards what we have now which is you know i mean me as a monitor i didn't expect to be dealing with the crazy amounts of reports that I deal with on a daily and it's all being you know created by a system and you're constantly running them and you're checking through you know risk management processes and all this stuff and all done through technology right um, I didn't expect it to be at that level at that consistency right so 
um, you know, I can only imagine where we're going to go in the next two to three years, especially as things are ramping up right now. I think that there's a huge span growth in companies trying to create solutions. So uh, compared to before. So I think that there's really going to be, I mean, I agree. I don't think it's going to be within the 10 years, but I do think that we're going to see a very rapid, rapid pace of um, solutions being brought to the forefront for technology when it's dealing with clinical research and databases and all that stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we're, we're saying the same thing. Judy Galindo, who's one of our co-founders is chatting. Judy, if you're able to, I know you got a lot to say about this. Uh, Feel free to unmute or otherwise We'll just, just read, read your comments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let us know. We give you the choice, Judy. Uh, and then anyone else who wants to chime in. I'm here. Maybe you've... Hey, everyone. Sorry. I'm, hey there, Judy. I'm on another call, so I'm taking a break. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think I was listening to what you guys were saying, and I think I agree with everything. Um, our site, so my idea was to transition electronically, eventually e-source. Um, and we did e-regulatory about like two years ago, and that's working out great. And so we decided uh, once all of our, our older studies were going to close, any new studies, let's try out e-source. So that actually started happening in December of last year. So officially this year, um, any new studies, we want to put them on e-source, or we're trying to put them on e-source, but it is a lot of work to implement. It's a lot of work to learn the systems to create the templates if you want to do it. Uh, within your site, or if you want to outsource that, which is still fairly new, because only people that can really create the e-source templates are like the vendor. Um, there's really not a lot of people out there that know how to do that yet. Um, so that's another, you know, industry that I'm sure is going to keep growing. Um, but at the same time, we've been using it. And, you know, there's pros and cons to it. Um, it is a lot more work. Uh, it is a lot to get the hang of it, to create a good workflow when you're working with the patient using eSource now you got to carry on this tablet all the time or computer um, so it's a lot of things you got to think about um, and I think we're getting better at it but it's been a lot of work to implement so if I could um, ask Judy uh, I think yeah. this is a good I think you're a perfect person to interview about this so mm -hmm. nobody nobody forced you no. to switch to eSource okay no. so why did you do it? Did you see it as a potential value add? Did you see it as doing it out of necessity to be like proactive um, in the face of inevitable change? What were the biggest reasons why you made the switch? Because it's a difficult to it switch yeah. everything, right? So why did you right. do it? Like, what's the top reason? Oh, uh, so there's a few reasons. One, I, I'm tired of having all those patient binders in the office. I mean, you should have seen for each study and all the patients we have for a study, we have these thick binders with a bunch of paperwork, all that paper we were using, all that cost for all that. And I wanted to, you know, I knew the industry was moving this way eventually. And, you know, I know it's going to take a while, but I just wanted to get there sooner, I guess. And since we were at a transition where our studies were closing and new ones were going to start, that's the perfect time to implement eSource before we get stuck on these studies for years. And then, you know, maybe we won't implement it till later. So that was one of the reasons, you know, trying to save money on paper printing costs and to make it more feasible or easier to be able to collect information on patients to conduct a visit, to be able to see this data online instead of on paper. Um, we can access the system anywhere we're at, if we're working in the office, if we're working out of the office, you know, all those things that come up after you're done working with a patient that you still got to go back to and like data entry or go back and update medical history or con meds and stuff like that. And you can do pretty much anywhere because it's web-based um, and I don't have to be in the office with the paperwork in front of me. Um, so I think it was all those reasons and just knowing that eventually we were going to get there as an industry, but I'm way ahead <laughs> probably the industry in a lot of sites. Um, and I'd rather figure this out now that we could because it was a lot slower for us before we were at a busier time period, you know, and with a bunch of studies. Mm -hmm. Julie, now that you mentioned that, uh, don't you think, I mean, um, I, I would like to hear your opinion on this. Do you think this is also helping the site? Uh, obviously, first of all, to stick to Alcoa that you see uh, better. And then the other thing is because um, 
I mean, if we see if we see the industry going towards that in that direction, as uh, is it uh, having the the source the electronic source documents uh, is being uh, like a competitive advantage for you to when you applying to studies. So it's like it's like a, something that the sponsors are seeing as a positive in your side, and they say, oh, they already have that. Let's go with them. Um, okay, so to answer the first question, I think it is probably easier to maintain the whole ACOA follow of that. Um, but the one thing I do need to say is that as a coordinator, if you're using e-source and you're working with patients, you need to have somebody on your site that's going to have a second overview. I guess kind of like what you would do with paper source, but now it's electronic. Now somebody has to go in and make sure, did you complete all those pages? Did you miss anything? You know, there's so many... I guess, templates within the e-source. So it's not just one page you're working on, you're working on different tabs within the e-source. So it is possible to miss things, to miss a check mark, to miss a few things here and there. And you know, you're rushing through the visit and you're trying to collect everything so you can get it done. That sometimes, yeah, things get missed or you need to go back and you know do late entries and stuff, which is possible in e-source. Um, but you do need a second, maybe even a third set of eyes, um, depending how your setup is and what type of studies and, and that's definitely something I recommend. And then the second question is, it's so new to our site, to the industry, even to the monitors and sponsors I work with, I don't see there's any benefit yet to it, except the monitors love the e-reg and the monitors who have worked with the e-source love the e-source. So now they can you know, conduct their monitoring visit remotely, virtually, and they don't even have to come on site because they have access to all of that. Any questions they have, anything, you know, the the items we need to take care of before monitor or after um, they have access to it. There's nothing I really need to send them that they don't have access to. So the monitors love it. I don't think the sponsors understand 100% how valuable it is. But I did mention in my second part of my comments, we do have two or three sponsors have that have already implemented their own e-source, their own system. They want us to use on a few new studies we're going to be starting. So. Maybe they are seeing the benefits of it. I don't know. I can't really answer that yet. Yeah, once everything's digitized, it becomes easier to track and it becomes easier to measure mm -hmm. and metrics become more important. And you're, we're going to see a whole bunch. I mean, it just need we need to digitize all this stuff in order to be able to get this raw data. So there's the data for the study, right? That obviously that's the final product, but then there's the data, like all the metrics about the vendors and how effective they are at doing their job, which is like secondary data. So sponsors are interested in all this stuff because they wanna fix their preferred vendor list. You know, procuring sites, the way they do it now is sending feasibilities to sites and trusting that the site is giving the right numbers for the, for the patients they have in the database. Well, it'd be a lot better if it was all digitized, the sites would give them de-identified access and then they can see, hey, you know, this is this is our database here. Uh, these are our metrics. I think all that stuff's coming, but it, you know, we're, we're like years, we're years away from it. Um, but I appreciate you sharing that, Judy. Um, Anyone else have anything yeah, to add? I, I have a last question. And actually, let me, yeah, let me <laughs> add something to it, too. I just thought about it. So the other thing I'm running into that I've noticed is that, okay, we took the initiative as a site to implement eSource eReg, right? And we've been doing that. Um, but now the sponsors want to start doing this and implement their system. So now I'm running into an issue where we started maintaining the regulatory electronic paper study. And they're like, oh, now you have to use our portal. So then now we're going back to doing double work. So should I mm. save it in my e-reg um, that I already have set up for the state or should I save it in there? Should we do it in both? Um, that's where I'm running into and we're going to start to have those issues now. Same thing with e-source. If they're going to implement e-source, great. I don't need to set it up. But it's an e-reg where I'm finding like, I don't know how to handle that. You know, I, are yeah. we doing, should we do it in both systems? We're going to have to. And I can't say no to their system. <laughs> I mean, I see this. I think there is a time where you can. So if we look at research, the earliest vendors, you know, like that were not sites or CROs or IRBs and academic medical centers do this all the time. The sponsor has their preferred IRB. It's the central IRB, but AMC say, Hey, we're under the jurisdiction of a local IRB. So we have to use this 
vendor. We can't use your central IRB. I don't think the argument is very different when it comes to a site and which vendor they choose as far as e-source or e-reg. I think if it's justified, if it's part of the SOPs, um, and if it's if there's rationale, I don't see why sponsors right now they they can still force you, but I don't see like in 2031. Let's fast forward 10 years from now. I don't see why they wouldn't allow sites to use whatever e-source tool they want. You know, I think we're in the transition phase right now where there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, Chris and I we we met with one of our CRA Academy graduates who's now a site director of a really big site in Atlanta. And he says, hey, you know, just because the FDA said electronic signatures are acceptable doesn't mean the sponsors are going to allow that. We have many sponsors who say, hey, you have to sign in wet ink. Uh, so we're still ironing out all these, uh, you know, all these little things. But I think long term, there should be no reason for sponsors Especially if you're a good site and you have like a key, a key opinion leader, I think a lot of the times they want to use those KOLs, right? And um, there's that's a whole another topic. All right, anyone else? Because we can talk forever about this, but uh, we don't want to bore you guys with the inside baseball uh, of clinical research. And we'll be doing this <laughs> what two or three more times this month, right? Well, thankfully, we won't be talking as much because we have vendors. Yeah. They yeah, got to get their words in. They won't let me talk like this. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, and, and the in the field of technology, they are going to be yeah, they are going to be giving demos. So uh, so we all are going to learn about the different uh, platforms available. Very nice. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know if we're able to pull this off, Ashley, but I don't want the vendors to just come on and give like a sales pitch. I want them to battle it out. In my dream world, we have two vendors who do the same thing, battle it out for our attention. I don't Don't know if we're going to get that good at this, but uh, let's see what happens. We're not going to allow allow just commercials. So WWE clinical trials. Royal Rumble, (laughs) more like it. No, I think there's so many systems that are going to work different for different sites. So I think it's great that we get exposed on this various vendors and systems because what I'm using might not work for your site and vice versa. Um, Yeah, so. Unless it's 100% free. (laughs) None of them are. Unless the sponsor implemented, then it's one of them will be. (laughs) One of them will be, and we know which one it is. (laughs) One of them is already can do it, they're just working out the final details. They're, I mean, and I don't think they're going to be at one of the vendors presenting. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they will be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyone else feel free to unmute. Um, feel free to play hey, the coconut um... song if you've been saving it. <laughs> Dan and Chris, thank you. Thank you. What, what does LICR stand for, actually? Ah, Latino bonus, bonus question. Research. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, duh. Bonus final yeah. exam question. Yeah, 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 yeah. I should have known better. So what is LICR? Okay. Adeline, what does ATL stand for? <laughs> you know, it's Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta. I know. They call Adeline. it the A. They call it the A. Chris, Adeline, and I, oh, yeah, I'm very aware. I listen to many Usher songs in college. Uh. Chris and I talk to Adeline all the time. Adeline, I, know, right? I hope you got some benefit out of this and uh, someone who's just starting out their site, but has been involved at the sponsor side of things for decades. You know, So be curious to get your take on this too. Yeah, and actually shout out to the CRC Academy students that are participating today because this oh, kind yeah. of webinars are just really great for you to learn more stuff. So don't miss yeah. out the, the rest of the um, uh, tech um, the tech series because you're going to learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Somebody said. So I hope I you up. and Chris, uh, Dan and Chris, come out with designer sites for the future so we can buy it from you. Designer sites? All right. Yeah. With sites, AI in a bo- loaded, sites in a box. Fully loaded. With the PI in place. 
exactly fully loaded with artificial intelligence and virtual wow. reality <laughs> and super platform and quantum computers so how much would you pay for that site <laughs> can i have one of those sites too yeah would you like an would you like an autonomous uber to pick up and and deliver your patients already pre-recruited and pre-screened also yeah oh wow while we're that at it we'll just put patients too. in an that uber may be in mars and the Uber will drive itself to your site and we'll just exactly yeah, I already have the database for the patients for the studies <laughs> exactly. you don't yeah, have. Exactly. You have oh, wow. smart <laughs> smart screens everywhere and you know with the algorithms for everything like patient re- recruitment, you know. So maybe data that'll be that that's a business plan for our grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it could be potentially realistic. Uh, Lisa asked, how do I sign up for that virtual trial course? I am on their site, but do not see it. I don't know. I know it's in the, we have the link in the CRA and CRC Academy. Um, um, so um, there, uh, right? Yeah, I will share it also in the, in this video, uh, the link and also in the Slack uh, for the okay. CRC Academy students. All right. Anyone else? have anything to add or anything they look forward to on the tech series this month will be tech tech month so uh we look forward to demystifying this topic and just bringing you vendors oh Um, cool yeah like i said we're gonna try to make sure they don't do infomercial the whole time so me and chris and monica are gonna have to moderate um but we'll we'll make sure that it's beneficial and worth your while so they will be doing a presentation kind of thing, like a slide deck. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, they're going and to this show is... the, like a demo. Yeah, I think they are like a short demo. They are a short tasked, demo. They are yeah. tasked mm-hmm. with bringing you value. Uh, so I'm gonna end the recording, but thank you everybody who's watching this replay. Don't miss out on the live streams. Okay, so subscribe. Latinosinclinicalresearch.com. Subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the podcast. Thank you very much. And I'll stop the recording and leave this line open for any more questions. And then we'll wrap up the live too. So thank you.